We're going to have our reading now, which is a selection of Proverbs. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A hot-tempered man stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms quarrel. Better a patient man than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Whoever would foster love covers over an offence, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. A man's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offence. A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty, rescue them, and you will have to do it again. Do not gloat when your enemy falls, when they stumble. Do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future hope, and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. Fear the Lord. Do not testify against your neighbour without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back what they did. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. This is God's word. We are in the book of Proverbs. As you'd have worked out, let me lead us together as we pray. Father, thank you for the the varied nature of your word and how grateful we are that you give us all that we need for life, for salvation, for wisdom in this world. So teach us again, we pray this morning, would your spirit be at work taking these words, applying them to us, shaping us. So we are live those who live more wisely, more like Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask. Amen. Amen. Yes, so uh, the book of Proverbs then, um, practical Christian living, we've been thinking about this uh, for a little while. We went through the first nine chapters progressively, then uh, this month, uh, we're topically looking at various of the themes that the book of Proverbs uh, throws up. We'll do that for this month, and um, uh, actually we'll, we'll do something else. Uh, we'll take a break and come back and look topically again in the summer months. But this morning we're thinking about anger. Now, if I'm honest with you, this wasn't slated originally as one of the topics we'd cover. But as I was working my way through the book uh, and reading it, I thought, she's quite a lot about anger. Uh, I was quite convicted. And so I thought I'd project my failure onto you and uh, share the pain that I felt at some of the conviction. But it's not really hard to see why anger comes up quite a lot. Because we get angry. Some of us. A lot. So no great surprise. But as, you work, as we work our way through this, it isn't just an individualistic 
point. Much of the book of Proverbs, we tend to read and think, how does this apply to me, to me, to me, to me? Much of the book is much more concerned with the community and the good or the harm you can do to community. And we'll see this as we work our way through. Anger is very destructive in a community. I think it's one of the big reasons uh, this gets thrown up. Now, three things then, um, if we can uh, break it down this way. Uh, okay, the, uh, the problem with anger, uh, the flaws in our anger, and then the alternative to anger. There must be something better than that, surely. Okay, uh, let's work through them. As you'll see, technically it's not. It's, you know, it's a sort of ten-point sermon, but I'm trying to get away with three. The problem with anger then. Let's look at that. Um, the problem. Now, there is positive and negative anger. It's worth highlighting that. I guess broadly, you could put it in these terms, we get angry when something we love or value is threatened or neglected in some way. So there are times it's right to get angry, there are times when it's wrong. It's an obvious point. Um, if, you, if you're a proud person and you love to hold forth and you love to be right and someone comes along and says, do you know what? You've got that completely wrong. Well, the thing you love, your reputation to someone is always right, at that moment in time, is wounded, injured. If you don't like it, you get angry. That's bad. That's a little bit feeble of you. Okay, that's sort of negative. Or to flip it completely the other way, uh, if you love children, your own children, or just children, you just love little children, and you see one in the street being violently abused... That is right and natural that there's a sense of outrage at that and anger. And in that sense, it's probably positive. So there's positive anger. Uh, So, for example, um, uh, 1632 doesn't criticize anger altogether, but patience will come back to that. Or the positive anger that gets spoken about in, in chapter 24, 19, 20, 21, eventually is the anger of the Lord in justice. So I guess you'd say positive anger, unsurprisingly, Jesus would model that for us very well. If you read through the gospel accounts, Jesus gets angry at times. So uh, Mark 3, 5, he's angry with the Pharisees. He's angry with their stubborn false teaching. He's angry with them misleading the people. Why is Jesus angry? He loves people and is annoyed if they're not shown compassion or they're led astray. That is a good anger. comes out of an affection for people. Or I guess perhaps most famously, uh, John chapter 2, Jesus is angry with the money changes in the temple. He's not just a, a sort of um, flaring and letting off steam. He takes time to construct a whip. So he's obviously thinking about what he's doing before he, uh, he goes for them. Why is he angry? Because he loves his father's glory. That is a good thing. When his father's glory is demeaned, injured, he is angered. That's a positive thing. So there is positive anger. And so I guess you probably want to say that the sort of anger the Bible speaks of, of being best is slow. Slow. So Nathan started off reading from Exodus. Of course it goes on, uh, the Lord... The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. One of the most common sort of self-definitions the Bible gives to God. Slow to anger. Because if you love things, you will be angry at some point. Slow to anger. 
again, you see someone, uh, a child being violently abused, or you live next door to a child and you know he's being violently abused and you're never angry with that, there's something malfunctioning. You should be. You shouldn't just be indifferent. Because the opposite of anger is not love. Like I say, the opposite of love will be indifference. I just don't care. I just don't care. Okay? So there's a positive sense in which the Bible uses anger. It's not primarily how the book of Proverbs, but worth remembering that. Uh, more commonly then is negative anger. And that does have an impact. So chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. Stirs up dissension. Why so bad? Well, that'll, that'll ruin community. Imagine one day you, you, you go swimming in the sea, probably not the English sea, somewhere hotter, warmer, fishier, and uh, you dive into wherever it may be at the Great Barrier Reef, and you swim, and it's beautiful, and you see all these fishes, and wonderful colours, and you're having a wonderful time, and then someone comes very close with a motorboat, and ruins everything, and all the sand gets stirred up, it's just stirred up, and you can't see anything anymore, and it's ruined. It takes ages for it all to settle down. That's the picture. Hatred will stir up dissension. It'll cloud everyone's vision. You won't be able to see what's going on. It'll take ages to settle down. So at work, where it may be, there's, there's some debate about an issue. You don't think it's a big deal. But then Mr. Angry comes in. Well, what do you make of this issue? What do you make of this proposal that's on the table? What do you make of that? Well, um, well I hadn't really given too much thought to it actually well it's terrible it's terrible and for reasons 1 to 97 and eventually you sort of listen to Mr. Angry and everyone starts to form opinions and Mr. Angry has stirred up dissension where actually things were, were fine beforehand and the whole community is at edge and forced to have an opinion on this issue even though it's tiny it'll stir up dissension it'll ruin community and um, chapter 14, verse 29, it'll ruin you as well, anger. So 14, 29, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. If you are quick-tempered, you'll do silly things. Question, when was the last time you took a brilliant decision when you were angry? That doesn't happen. Tends not to be the best ones. Rarely, rarely do you think, you know, you get wound up by something, something's really wound you up, and you oh, I'm, I'm so angry, I'm going to kick the wall, I'm going to put a hole in this wall, and that is a very sensible and wise decision, because when tomorrow I have to repair the wall and spend all day doing it, I'll reflect upon this and think how wise I was. You don't, you don't have that in a monologue, do you? When you're angry, you just go, and you do silly things. So 1429, it'll ruin you, anger. You'll make bad decisions when you're angry. And worse than that is following it, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, that's nice. Envy rots the bones. This is envy there, but envy is essentially a form of anger. It's a subset. I look at him, and I'm angry because he has... A better job, house, career, wife than me. Whatever it may be. It's anger that someone is doing a bit better. And that will rot the bones. That's vivid, isn't it? Rotting. 
that anger will just weaken you, rob you of your strength, enfeeble you over time. Of course, you don't notice rot very often. You know, you go and look around, oh, I might buy this flat, I'm going to look at a flat, I want to buy a flat, I'll look around the flat, he said, it looks fine. You don't notice the rot, you have to get in Mr. Surveyor, who peels back the layers, and then he'll notice the rot if it's there, but it takes some thorough examination, superficially you don't do it. You can be sat in your house, in your flat, sat on the sofa as you have been hundreds, thousands of times before, unknowingly that the timbers above you are rotting. You just don't know it, until one day you're watching TV, and in the middle of whatever it is, the whole thing collapses. You don't know it's going to happen. It's quite unpleasant a warning, isn't it? It's just it's rot you. You may not even notice this is taking place. So there's an obvious problem with anger. So having said that, there's positive anger, negative anger. There's a, let's look at the flaws in our anger. So this is what I think I, I get a little uncomfortable so here then are a number of ways, four different ways, seems to me that Proverbs would say, here's where we go bad. <laughs> here's where our anger is negative and not righteous like the Lord's. First then, we can very easily have a dodgy thermostat. What do I mean by that? Well, chapter uh, fifteen, eighteen: A hot-tempered man stirs up conflict. The one who is patient calms a quarrel. A hot-tempered man. He's too hot. Or chapter 19, verse 19, similar. A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. Too hot. Or um, uh, right at the bottom there, 29.11, a fool gives full vent to his anger. A wise man keeps himself under control. Do you see the problem here? The thermostat's wrong. You just get too hot too quickly. Or in the last one, 29.11, the fool has just two temperatures for his thermostat. Off, full blast. And that's it. There's just nothing in between. There's no suitable gradation. Some things are mildly irritating, but the fool just gets angry, full blast at everything. It's a stupid way to live, says the book of Proverbs. And yet we know that. Our thermometers are out of kilter. So we can see the news, and I know we can get weary by the news, but we can be completely indifferent to the plight of Christians imprisoned in North Korea. There are 100,000, apparently, for no other reason than being a Christian. I think, oh, that's not so good, is it? I wonder what is for dinner, lunch today. Should we stay for the church lunch? Not that, you know. Well, if... well you can watch the news and think, oh, about Syria again, oh, I'm bored of Syria. I'm bored of hearing of the plight of refugees. And we're just indifferent. We don't get angry at those things. But tomorrow morning, in our bleary state, we get on the tube, there's a seat, and someone jumps into it, jumps into it ahead of us, and we think, you, you cad, you bounder, you scoundrel, I wanted that seat, I needed that seat more than you. And you think, what? What's that? Our thermostat, our sort of anger thermostat, is just completely out of kilter. There's no suitable gradation, often. We go nothing or full vent. Uh, it's a few years ago, years and years ago. I remember one year at Christmas in my family house growing up. I, I don't know, I can't remember why exactly, but the thermostat in our house broke on, I think it was, Christmas Eve. So a fat chance of getting anything fixed. And so here we had precisely this option. Off, full throttle, boiler just going crazy. 
No, it was, it was minus below. You know, it was cold. My parents live in the country. It's genuinely cold outside. You wouldn't want. You couldn't just turn the heating off. So it was full throttle. Heating on, windows open, but still, when you have your boiler going full blast, it's hot. So you can ask, you could see the family photos of the year we had Christmas dinner in shorts. <laughs> and bikinis and cracker hats, and we're all sort of sat round in this sort of sweating on Christmas Day, bizarre. In the UK, we weren't in Sydney or something. And we can be like that, says the Book of Proverbs. That's the fool. The fool just goes full vent. If I'm going to get angry, there's nothing measured about it. I just, I just go. So there's a dodgy thermostat. You know, the, uh, there's a little story, I don't think this is true, the story of the woman who goes to her minister, pastor, and says, well, you know, anger, there's nothing wrong with losing my temper. For me, I just blow up, and then I go calm, and we all move on. And the minister said, hmm, that's quite a lot like a shotgun. Blows up, goes calm. Quite a lot of damage gets done by the shotgun in the meantime. And that's negative anger. That's foolish anger. I guess if you wanted to draw a contrast, a wise anger is a bit like a sniper single shot. There's a problem. I'll deal with that and that alone. Whereas the fool just gets angry and blasts everywhere. So we have a dodgy thermostat. That's one problem. Second element, I think, to anger, we, we can easily feel superior. So chapter 10, verse 18. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Chapter 24, 17. Do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice. Very striking. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. You know how that sort of thing happens. At some meeting, I don't know, it could be at church. Let's say it's at church. Jane mocks you. She doesn't mean anything particularly by it, you don't think, but she mocks you and actually it, it irritates you. You don't find it funny, to be honest. That kind of was personal. But you don't say anything to Jane. You don't go and see her and say, Jane, I should, can I just be honest, I was a bit hurt by that. No, that would be a good thing to do. What do you do in contrast? You just share a little with one or two others. Have you, have you noticed, you just say to one or two others, have you noticed Jane's sense of humor? It can be quite hurtful. I don't want to name names, but I do know a few people who have been really hurt by the sort of thing Jane says. And, um, you know, we just need to watch out. Jane can be hurtful. Now what's happened there? Rather than sorting things out between the two of you, your hatred, well, you've concealed it. You sort of internalized it. And you've lied. You've spread slander. And you feel good. That's the really awkward thing about this. You feel better about yourself. You feel superior to them. It is very hard to be angry with someone unless you feel superior to them. It's just how it works. 
So, you know, I cycle everywhere um, uh, in London most of the time. And uh, cycling, quite often a car will come and slightly, you know, get into a lane on a roundabout and force you to swerve a bit on your bike. And being the very placid, mild-mannered man that I am, I mean, they sort of swerve and they look across because they slightly realize what they've done. I make the sort of gesticulation. You know, look, look. And um, cycle off serene in the knowledge that I'm a superior road user to them. (laughs) And that's why I have the right to be angry. Of course, if I ever did anything which made someone slam on their brakes, then I would have no grounds upon which to be angry. But fortunately, I am superior. (laughs) Therefore, I have the right to be angry. And that's how it works. That's how it works. Frighteningly, we can conceal that sort of hatred from ourselves. So I was grateful recently uh, at a recent meeting. Someone just came up to me afterwards. I was an elders meeting, actually, uh, at church. But someone came up to me afterwards and said, I don't know if you realize, but when you, when you spoke about Mr. X, you were quite forceful. I wonder if you're a bit angry with them. Huh. Yes, thank you very much. I think I am. I don't think I'd realized it. It's frightening is that we can conceal this, that sort of anger from ourselves. But it, but it reveals itself. It reveals itself in the lips. So be wary of that, just feeling superior. That's why we think we can judge people and be angry with them. We can come out more briefly. Uh, a desire for vengeance. Uh, chapter 24, 28 and 29. Um, do not testify against your neighbor without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Do not say, I'll do to them as they've done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. But people do. You had the, the extraordinarily vivid case recently of um, uh, Vicky Price wanting vengeance against her husband, Chris Hume. Spurn me, would you? Go off with another woman with you? I'll ruin you. I'll bring down your career. And golly, what an ugly, ugly sort of mess it was. But notice as we've worked our way through these. When you're angry, so often the book of Proverbs says, when you take revenge, don't do it with your lips. None of these Proverbs say, you know, the fool gets angry and has a fist fight. (laughs) But most of them are, the, the fool is angry and speaks, slanders, gossips, talks. That's quite convicting, isn't it? Not many of us, to my knowledge, are vigilantes and go out shooting people at night to express our anger and try to, you know, all people have... But but our anger comes out in what we say. Be wary of the desire for vengeance. And the last little element, the last little flaw that gets highlighted is, is jealousy, which again is a form of anger. I am angry that you might... Look at my wife in that way. I am angry that you have this latest car and I do not. So uh, 27 verse 4, incredibly strong, isn't it? Anger is cruel, fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? I I thought about, this is one of the proverbs that slightly got under my skin. You start to think, okay, well, why is that? Why is that? What is quite so bad about jealousy. And I think the issue is it doesn't let go. 
If you wrong someone, you can apologize and hopefully they'll forgive you. But if you're better than someone, have more talent than them, more success than them, more money than them, more friends than them, they may never forgive you. Jealousy just doesn't let go. There it is throughout the Bible, biblically. Cain kills Abel because he's jealous. That Abel gets the Lord's approval. Joseph's brothers sell him because they're jealous of the father's love for him. I mean, it's a common thing throughout the scriptures, isn't it? But 24.17, do not gloat when your enemy falls. Jealousy is the anger that delights in someone else's failure and bitter at their success. That's a very unpleasant anger. I read a little while ago of an interview with Paul McCartney. It was a magazine interview with Paul McCartney. He confessed, look, in the 1980s, I hated John Lennon. He hated me. Whenever he had a hit, it killed me. Whenever I was successful, I know it wound him up. When I got arrested in the 1980s in China for for, uh, carrying marijuana, John Lennon threw a party in New York. That's just the way we were. We couldn't abide the success the other had. Oh, it's miserable, isn't it? If your contentment is tied to someone else's, where they go up, you go down. When they go down, you go up. That's miserable. That's a miserable form of anger. So multiple flaws. Dodgy thermostat, feeling superior, desire for vengeance, jealous resentment, all all manner of ways that our anger can be flawed. Let's think differently then. Let's think more positively. There is an alternative commended. You'll be surprised or relieved to know alternative to anger. Three elements to it. The first, perhaps the most common, is be patient. Be patient. So chapter 14, 29, whoever is patient has great understanding, but who is quick-tempered displays folly. Or 16.32, better a patient man than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Now, in general, I think you'd have to say about the book of Proverbs, it advocates a temperate expression of emotion. Don't fly in any direction. And that is certainly true of anger. So patience is commended. What do you make of 1632, though? Again, it makes you pause. Better a patient man than a warrior. Sounds so unheroic, doesn't it? I mean, you look around London, there are many statues to our warriors. To, to Wellington, to Nelson, to Churchill. I mean, magnificent statues. But where are the patient men? Riding on their horses. You just, you don't seem to get quite so excited by patient men. But why would the Bible say that the patient man is better? Well, I think there must be at least, it struck me two senses. One, over time, I wonder if patience benefits a society more. Okay, great, great. You have the hero who saves your city on one occasion. But if you had a city of patient men who didn't anger one another or weren't angry with each other, that would be a very lovely place to live. And second, I wonder if in this sense it's more impressive. It just takes longer. So you just put it in these terms, Rambo. Oh, one of Stallone's great roles, Rambo. Very impressive military warrior. One man defeating the whole of North Korean army. I mean, magnificent. Magnificent. 
Very, no, it's not Vietnam, was it? Anyway. But anyway, the uh, one man takes on the whole of an army and defeats them with a few bows and arrows. Fabulous. You'd want him on your side in the jungle. Would you want him as your colleague in your office? As he turns up with machine guns on both arms and says, I'm ready for a day's work. What would you have me do? Leave. Leave would be good. You're going to cause some damage to our new wallpaper. You don't want him in that situation. You want a patient man. Now, it's very impressive to conquer a city in a day, but to be patient for a lifetime? As one man put it, the conquest of a city is the battle of one day. Patience is the weary, unceasing conflict of the whole of your life. So in that sense, it's more impressive to be consistently patient. Anyone can be a hero for a day and get lucky with your bow and arrow. Well, chapter 19, verse 11. A man's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. The glory of the wise man is that he responds with patience. His anger thermostat is, well, it's working well. He responds with an appropriate level of force. It struck me, a glory here. It's not the usual Old Testament word. It's not the kavod, heavy, weighty word. It's beautiful. It's the word for beautiful clothing, Isaiah 52. Beautiful jewels, Ezekiel 16. The Lord's character, beautiful. So I think what 1911 is saying is, God takes those who are patient. God takes those who can ignore a slight and makes them more beautiful. It is a very beautiful, attractive thing, declares the Lord, to do such a thing, to be patient. So be patient. A second little thing, cover the debt. Chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 10, verse 12, the alternative to stirring up dissension is to cover wrongs. Uh, Let me read it again, chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up dissension. Love covers all wrongs. What does that mean? Just you absorb them. Uh, I met up with a friend of mine for dinner this week. uh, And uh, he said, I want to take you to the restaurant. It's just around the corner from my house. It is the fifth best restaurant in London. Not the first, admittedly. But it is the fifth that it's consistently in all the polls and the Observer, etc., etc., recent reviews, TripAdvisor, all these things. The fifth best restaurant in London. I don't want to take you. I said, oh, okay. Don't worry about the bill. I'll cover it. I'll cover it. What's he saying there? I will pay. I will absorb. You will have spent, but it'll come at the expense of my checkbook. I will cover it. That's what he's saying. Love says, you've angered me, but I'll cover it. I'll pay the bill. Leave it with me. My card is good for this one. I've got enough in the bank account. Now, the amusing part of this uh, meal was uh, that actually the fifth best restaurant in London is a greasy spoon cafe. So uh, dinner for two, including all drinks, £10.50, and he did indeed cover it. Very generous. Would you like to know what the fifth best restaurant in London is where you can get dinner for £10.50? Yes, I thought you would. (laughs) But you see what he's saying here. Love covers all wrongs. 
Love says, okay, you've driven into my car, but it's okay. It's okay. I'll pay. Don't worry with the insurance. I'll cover it. I'll cover it. I'll absorb it. You've damaged my reputation. The way you spoke about me with those people has injured me, but that's it. I'm going to forget it. I won't speak anymore. I'll absorb it. I'll cover the wrong. Cover the debt. One last time on this. Chapter 17, verse 9. Do notice the contrast. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense. Whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You see consistently what Proverbs is saying. When someone angers you, you can pay the debt. If you don't, you'll speak ill of them. Very striking over and over again. Okay, so we'll turn it. Be patient, cover the debt. Last thing, trust the Lord. Chapter 24, let's read this. Verses 19 to 21. Do not fret because of evil men. Or be anxious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future hope, and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. Fear the Lord. How can you not be anxious by the actions of the wicked? Not be angered by the behavior of the evil man? Not be furious and seek to take revenge? If you know that there will be a day of justice and the Lord will do right. If you know that one day the Lord Jesus Christ will return and judge this world perfectly, you don't feel the need to enact justice yourself now. And that transforms what you do with your anger. You know the sort of classic um, the classic film, there's some crime, uh, a man's, say, a man's wife has been killed, and he kind of knows probably who did it, but the police can't gather enough evidence, as then the man says something like, well, if the police won't do something, I'll do it myself. I'll take matters into my own hand, and becomes a sort of vigilante. Because if, if you're denied justice, that is wrong. And the temptation, therefore, to go and enact it yourself is very strong. Whereas, if you know that God will bring justice, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to be an anger vigilante and do it yourself. You can walk away knowing that justice will come. So there you go. It's very easy to not be angry. Be patient. Cover the debt. Trust the Lord. Go and live thus this week. Amen. It's not easy, is it? But it does make a difference if you know and dwell upon the fact that this is how God has treated you. You look at what's been stated there. That is, if you're a Christian, you know that that is how God has treated you. He's been patient with your sin. He's not wiped you out with a thunderbolt or destroyed you. He's been patient because in Jesus Christ, he's covered the debt. He's covered all our offenses. Our God is perfect in his anger. Perfectly just, perfectly righteous, positive anger. But his anger towards us is entirely understandable because of how we treat him. But in Jesus Christ, he absorbs the anger. He covers the debt. And that's how he's treated us. When you know you've been treated this way, your debts have been covered. 
and you know that in the future there's a day of perfect justice, you can wait. You can be patient. I'm not saying it's easy, but when we understand these things and they get into us, they will affect how we behave. Last thing, some will remember um, uh, the case of Jimmy Mizzen. Jimmy Mizzen will be 21 uh, next month in May. Were he still alive? But a few years ago, he was murdered. He went out, uh, his mum sent him out to get some sausage rolls for the family for dinner in South London. And uh, was it four years ago, Jimmy Mizzen was queuing up to buy his sausage rolls. A man barged in front of the queue ahead of him. Jimmy said, hey, what are you doing? His throat was slit. And he died in the baker's. Now, that is miserable and tragic. But why it hit the press was because of his parents. Because they refused to speak out with anger. So two days after the murder, his mum was quoted, was seen on the news. I just want to say to the parents of this other boy, I feel so, so sorry for them. I don't feel anger towards him. I feel really sorry for his parents. We've got lovely memories of Jimmy. But at the moment, all they will feel is sorrow over their son. How, two days after your son is murdered, do you speak with such compassion? (laughs) Such a concern for the other family? No anger, no bitterness. How do you do that? The Mizzens are a Christian family. A year later, slightly later, the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the dad was interviewed. And again, he was asked why there was not more anger from him and his wife. He said, well, the man who killed Jimmy destroyed the image of God in killing a human being, and justice had to be done after that. But talking about punishment's not enough. You could have a prison on every corner of this land, and we'd still have anger and hatred and violence in Britain. What is needed is a new spirit. And we, for that, we need faith in God. Now, notice what he says there. My son was murdered. The image of God has been killed in a human being. There must be justice for that. Now, in God's kindness, we live in this country, and there was justice in the courtroom. And the, uh, the criminal, the murderer, was locked away. But he didn't know that at the time. <laughs> And so he's saying, I know there'll be justice one day. But okay, now justice has been done. What does this country need to get rid of anger and violence and hatred? It needs God's Spirit to change the hearts of people. To persuade them that God has covered the debt. That God's anger against them has been absorbed in Jesus Christ. And if you know that, and that one day a day of justice is coming, then you can overcome your anger and replace it with patient, patient trust in the living God. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, these are not easy things for us. Uh, Even this morning, even uh, in our houses coming here, we may have been angered and irritated with uh, not getting our own way, with peace being disturbed, with people being late. Anger, it resides within us. It doesn't take much for it to bubble up. So, Father, please change us. Please give us a greater understanding of what it means that your anger 
was taken by Jesus Christ so that we will never face it. Would that give us a wonderful patience as we wait for the Lord Jesus to return and bring patience, justice, and bring certain justice here? We ask in his name. Amen.